The staff is incredible, non-judgmental, caring, and informative. The care and compassion is unlike anywhere else. They made me feel very welcomed. They were so professional. They took the time to get to know me and my situation without judging me. I feel so fortunate that I found them. You're about to meet an extraordinarily humble and kind woman. Sherry Scott is the Executive Director for Avenues for Women, a pregnancy center in Frankfort, Kentucky, offering 100% free counseling and free medical services for their clients. Not only does Avenues for Women advocate for the sanctity of human life in the womb, they also advocate for the sanctity of the life of the woman, young or old, who walks through their doors, takes a seat in their office, and is carrying that tiny life within her. One of my favorite lines from the show is when Sherry said that when folks ask her if her organization is pro-life or pro-choice, her response is, we are pro-woman. I like this line because to me it puts compassion, care, and love first with the steadfast and prevailing prayer that this kind of love will in part be the catalyst that leads the woman or the couple to a God-honoring decision. But if it doesn't, the relationship between the woman and AFW remains and there is still opportunity for future change, God willing. The heart of this ministry is to educate in a holistic, supportive fashion and in non-judgmental ways and to lend a helping hand practically and emotionally before, during, and after decisions are made. Now, a teeny disclaimer. Sherry and I had to get a bit creative with the audio recording, and I do apologize for the quality. We found a workaround and we went with it. And a shout out to Kristen, Brianna, and Deborah for reading the testimonial quotes from AFW clients that you can find on the Avenues for Women Facebook site. Now, before we dive right into the conversation, I have a couple of ministry reminders. But first, I'm Victoria Walker, and I want to welcome you to the Choose to Think podcast. Please stay tuned. Have you visited the Choose to Think Merch and More store? I have t-shirts, long sleeve shirts, hoodies, and now mugs and handbags that convey faith-filled and inspirational affirmations in our journey to take thoughts captive, give thanks in everything, and walk with a renewed mind. I created two designs for today's episode. I am pro-woman and I choose life. Just visit my website, victoriadwalker.com and click the merch tab. Please take advantage of the promo code, which is found in the show notes below and on the website to save $5 on your first purchase. Also, Not only do we have the privilege to choose to think regarding our emotional and spiritual health, but we can also choose to think regarding our physical well-being. If you'd like to know my secret of how I lowered my cholesterol by 42 points, please visit my blog. It's victoriadwalker.com and you can click on the AGH blog link there. One action item will surprise you, I'm sure. 
Plus, I include lots of links to some of my favorite accessories to helping me reduce my cholesterol, none of which includes taking medicines. And now let's jump right on in to Sherry telling us about Avenues for Women. The ministry has actually been around in Frankfurt for about 20 years. And uh, originally, I've been involved. There is a pregnancy center also in Lexington called Assurance. And I was involved originally with that ministry on their board of directors and just on different committees back in the, oh gosh, mid-80s, I think. And they kept having a goal and a vision to start a ministry like that one here in Frankfurt. And it's, it's kind of comical because in the years as I was working with Lexington, the executive director at that time would say, you know, we really have a, a dream and a vision to start a pregnancy center in Frankfurt. And every time she would say that, I would think to myself, I would say, oh, yeah, that would be great. But then think to myself, it's not going to be me. It's not going to be me. So, <laughs> and we had this conversation for probably two years. Of, yeah, we really want to open a satellite center in Frankfurt. And I'm thinking, yes, we really need it, but it's not going to be me. And then God has such a sense of humor. I just love his sense of humor. <laughs> That's um, tongue-in-cheek there. Yes. But when it became time to literally open a pregnancy center in Frankfurt, it was like I was going through an Experiencing God Bible study mm-hmm. with Henry Blackaby, and it's like he tapped me on the shoulder and he said, guess what? It's time to start a pregnancy center in Frankfurt, and guess who I've chosen to do it? And then I had what I call my Moses syndrome moment. Okay. Of, what do you mean? I can't do that. I don't. I, I can't speak in front of people. I don't know anything about this. I, I don't. I've never run a pregnancy center, so I gave him all my best arguments of why I couldn't possibly be the one to start this. <clears throat> Excuse me. To which I felt like he just kind of impressed on my heart. But that's exactly why I want you to start this because you're right. You're not any of those things, but I am. And my strength is what makes you strong. And it's your weaknesses that that glorifies my strength. And I'm like, okay. So after arguing with him for a long time and him not giving in, I finally conceded, talked to Lexington about it. They thought it was a great idea. So in 2000, we opened the pregnancy center here in Frankfurt. And I first started as a center director. And then in 2006, we went medical and we launched from Lexington, and then I became the executive director. So I've been with this ministry now, 20 years later, and God still is amazing, and he's glorified through my weakness, and I continue to still feel like I don't know what I'm doing. We have what we really call a holistic approach, that we, a lot of times, what initially will bring clients in is they... um, either are seeking a pregnancy test or they've just taken a pregnancy test and they think they may be pregnant. And a lot of times, probably 98% of the time, they're in a panic. Oh no, I can't be pregnant right now. I don't want to be pregnant right now. And so what we do is we can sit down with the girls, meet them where they are, share information with them. All of our services are free. We don't charge for our services. We offer them, um, free 
options like we talk about. Let's look at, you know, what parenting will look like right now. Let's look at what adoption will look at like right now. We also sit down and look at the risk and procedures with abortion because so many times the girls have no idea when they are considering abortion, what they're actually looking at. So we'll sit down and, and we want to fully educate them. We want to fully empower them with information because they may see that as they're looking at these different options, oh, okay, this isn't, this is, you know, abortion isn't my best option, that perhaps parenting or adoption, because there's so much more tied into that decision. And so we want to fully educate them. We also will offer free ultrasounds for the girls because it does show that sometimes statistics show as many as one in four pregnancies will end in miscarriage. And so, you know, this will help with the ultrasound because they may be in the process of miscarrying. And so we offer them a limited ultrasound scan if we have an RN on staff that does that for us. And then we just kind of sit down and and counsel with them, meet them where they are, you know, what's going on in your life, why do you, why do you feel this is your best option, you know, what is it, what are your goals, what are your dreams, and as we work with these women, we also discover that, um, you know, they have, they're coming to us, not because it is the root of the problem, but there's a whole background history of different things in their lives that are in need of healing or have, you know, wounding has occurred or relationship struggles or as women, you know, we have all kinds of, of self-esteem, anxiety, depression, all those kinds of things tie into it. And so we will um, kind of assess where they are and then we have different options to offer. And one of the things that we offer the women, um, which I think fits really well in with what your, your topic of your podcast is the um, we offer them help with, you know, as these women are struggling with um, self-esteem, sexual abuse, um, you know, different, I'm all alone, or I'm not good enough, or just whatever they're thinking about. There's a reason why we tend to think that way. And what we've learned is that, and this is going to get off a little bit into the, to, um, one of the things we offer that helps, but for every single one of us, our belief systems are put in place usually under the age of 12. So during our first 12 years of life as children, we're developing our belief system based on who we are, uh, the world around us, who God is, um, who our parents are, who our friends are. Everything in life is we're developing a belief. And as children, we don't usually always interpret things correctly, so we tend to have some law-based belief that gets started in our belief system. Now, as we grow up, mature, become adults, we learn truth in our head. We learn who Scripture says we are. We learn who God says we are. And we learn who we are in Christ. But when life gets hard or difficult or challenging, we revert to our belief system, which is based in some law-based beliefs. So when you're having that struggle of, Scripture says that I am, you know, that I am this, and yet we feel the opposite of that, it's because our law-based triggered belief is what's trumping everything else in our head. And so... We will sit down with the girls, we'll kind of just start where they are, follow back to where that began, where that root heart belief started, 
and uncover the lie-based core belief, lift it up to Jesus. Jesus replaces it with truth, and there's complete transformation. So not only do they know truth in their head, they believe it in their heart. And it is so cool to be able to empower these women with who Scripture says they are and who Christ says they are. And it's really kind of, it's very fascinating to just be a part of that. And then as they go out empowered, they make better choices. Can you can you tell me, Sherry, what if if you can, what would be the number one lie or some, you know, false belief that your clients may be coming with? Is there one that is predominant by chance? Um well it's hard to pinpoint one because it's obviously unique to each person, but over and over again we see the common belief that I'm all alone. I'm sorry. I'm not- Can you hold one second? Rico, my little blog mascot, is is just flipping out. So can you hold one second, please, Sherry? Okay, hold on one second. Sorry, Sherry. Oh, oh I've got I've got little I've got my Matthew who's who's getting ready to go to call to his classes and. Um, suddenly Rico, as soon as Matthew got out of the shower, Rico just like coming alive here. And I don't know, he may start barking again and we'll just, we'll just keep going. But if you don't mind, uh, um, can you start over again with what that number one kind of, or if if you can nail that one down? Yeah. Um, and actually as far as there's not obviously because it's unique to each individual, but predominantly over and over again. We see women feel all alone or like they're not good enough. There's something wrong with me or I'm defective. Um, that's a common one we've been into over and over again. And, you know, so many women, as women, we struggle with our identity and who we are and that not good enough trigger or performance trigger that drives a lot of us to be perfectionists. And I'm all alone, which makes me feel panicky or feel anxious because it's all up to me. And I know I'm not capable of doing whatever it is I'm looking at right now. So now I have anxiety or depression because I believe I can't do this. There's no one here to help me. And all of that is contrary to who Christ says we are and that he never leaves or forsakes us. And if you look at the, you know, even in Philippians where it talks about don't be anxious for anything, yet who of us have, are not anxious at some time or another, but we're anxious because we have a lobby's belief that trumps what Scripture says. Now, we know we shouldn't be, but we can't not be. But when we go down and find the core belief, and sometimes it's that I'm all alone, and when Jesus replaces that core lie with truth in our hearts, not just in our heads, but in our hearts, we no longer feel alone, so we're not that ang- we're not anxious over that. And of course, that's just a general example. But anytime we're feeling a negative emotion, with the exception of grief, there are, there is truth based grief when there's a real loss. But when we're feeling overwhelmed, stressed, depression, if it's not chemical, um, if it's emotional, anytime we're feeling overwhelmed, all those things, it's connected to a lie based belief. So it's lie-based belief that's making us feel the things we feel. Does that make sense? Oh, yes, absolutely. And that really does 
summarize my ministry. And like you said, the, you know, impetus behind my podcast, it's that, and, and I actually learned this. I didn't learn this. I just learned it like maybe a few years ago, like four or five years ago, that that our thoughts really do matter. There's a reason that the Bible tells us to take every thought captive. And I've read yeah. statistics that tell us that we have as many, you know, maybe 60 to 80,000 thoughts every single day. Well, that's a lot of taking captive. You know, that's a lot of um, there, that's a lot of thoughts to try to even, I can't get my mind around it actually, but, but the point is that if we do have a role and a responsibility in our emotions, because our thoughts actually create our emotions and our feelings. And then subsequently I found that those, how we're feeling and what, you know, uh, our emotions, that kind of goes into how we behave and the actions and choices that we make. So if we can kind of catch it early, which is, I think, one of the reasons the Bible does tell us to take thoughts captive, then we can we can kind of arrest that whole process and say, wait a minute, this is not true. This is a lie, a lie based belief that I have. And and I'm not going to give that a whole lot of mental real estate anymore. I'm not going to engage with that lie because it's it's a time waster and it takes me in totally the wrong direction but it's not to me it's it's not been an easy process for me even to learn that and i've had to work really hard and not that i'm saying oh i did all of this and okay all you have to do is choose to think and it's just that simple that's not it god has been so intricately involved in this process for me without him i i, I just i i couldn't even do it but what i have found happening is that the more i am aware of what it is that I'm thinking. And the more I fight back, put on that armor of God, I do have some responsibility in this. It's not, God's just not going to do it all. Even with sharing my faith. Yes, I could be saved and I could sit on the sofa and eat potato chips the rest of my life and it wouldn't affect my salvation. But because I have the spirit within me, I am compelled to do good works and to bring glory to God. And so the same with my thought life because I have this, this, all this arsenal, the weapons of truth right here, the word of God right here in, in what I can, you know, I can pull it out. I can pull out this sword. I can fight, but I have to choose to do it. I have to make some, uh, you know, movement in that direction. And if I finding that it's so hard, I ask God for help and he will certainly help me in that process as well. But, um, but what you're saying just rings true to my heart and my entire experience. And so what I found happening is that the more I fought back, the more I asked God for help, the more I fought back, put on the armor, took those thoughts captive, and then replaced them with God's truth in a way that was meaningful and that did change not only my mind, but also my heart. It Well, it began to change my heart, which then changed my mind. And it was all, you know, kind of wound up in there together. 
but then I got, it got easier and easier and easier. And I can now more quickly pick out those thoughts that are contrary to God's word. And I just don't let them float away. Not that I'm perfect. And some days they do float away and it's like, okay, I keep having the same thought. What on earth is going on in my head? And then I have to do a little bit of reverse engineering here. So I love that that's the process that, that you're using as you counsel these young women and perhaps their boyfriends or their families as well. And before we go on, let's take a quick break from our sponsor. I want to talk a little bit about the the statistics. Do you have any numbers like, and, and maybe you don't and that's fine, but like how many people you're serving each year and um, what that looks like, even to your staff. I know you mentioned an RN a moment ago, but if you could speak to your staff members who you have working alongside you, as well as about how many people you, you serve um, every year. Yes, and I don't have the exact number in front of me, but um, we probably average three to 400 clients a year. And we have um, an RN on staff that does our medical part and our pregnancy test and our ultrasounds. We have um, a licensed LMFT on staff that uh, works along with me to talk to the clients. And then we have another counselor on staff that um, has her degree in, has her master's in Christian counseling. So we have two counselors on staff plus an RN. Then I have a finance manager and we have wonderful volunteers that come and and help with checking clients in or doing administrative things or other things like that. But we probably, I didn't look at the last um, last statistic, and this year with COVID, it's even, it's just all upside down. But normally, we're probably seeing around 300 to 400 clients a year that come through. Now, that's my count, and that's just the girls. That doesn't count the boyfriends that come or the family members that come, of course, so you could double that probably because with every client, there's another half that's also connected, but they don't always come in for services, so sometimes it's just the girls, the women. And the girls range in age anywhere from 12 to 40, so there's no, we, the majority of our clients are probably in their 20s and 30s, but we've had them as young as 12, and we've had, had them as old as 40. And then even with, as we holistically look at the belief system, you know, we would work with women in their 60s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and, you know, so there's really no age limit with the services that we offer. Okay, very good. I want to talk a little bit about family members and friends and how we on the other side could encourage our daughter, our sons, our friends. How do we encourage them if they're facing the decision in their lives? Uh, okay, now I'm pregnant. Am I, I, you know, is abortion an option? What is going to be my choice? What can you give some counsel on how we can be most supportive to a child or a friend, a colleague, whoever it might be, who is faced with that kind of life decision. What do we do? What do we say? What is our, our, how can we best support our loved ones? 
Um, you know, first and foremost, if you're in a town or a city where there is a local pregnancy center, do everything you can encourage them to go to that local pregnancy center because both centers are equipped to talk to these girls with literature, with information. They have resources. They have, you know, options that can support them during this time. So first and foremost, if you have a pregnancy center in your town, I would highly recommend, you know, get them there because they're going to be able to meet them where they are and help them. Um, helping them understand that they're not alone in this because so many of the clients that come in feel like I'm all alone or I can't tell anybody. Or, so just being that, that support system for them and, and not judging them, not judging them for the fact that they're they're confused. They're not sure what they want to do. We use the analogy a lot of times that when women are, are initially pregnant, they don't want to be. It's a crisis. It's like an animal whose foot's caught in a trap, and they kind of have to chew it off to survive. So they're in this panicked mentality. And just sometimes just coming alongside, letting them know they're not alone, that you're here, you're here. You can find answers. You can find support. And because they can't think, they're just reacting. And I think so many times, um, you know, if we can help them see that they're not by themselves, they're, they have plenty of time to make decisions, get all the information they can. And I really encourage them, now with the internet, people can just, you know, find all kinds of information. But these girls need to talk it through. They need to process it because you're getting all kinds of overload of information and they can really only process about six things in those moments so it's information overload and if they can find someone that is especially you know like a trained person in a pregnancy center or even you know their pastor um find someone that can help them process through the information they're getting so that's what i would encourage first let them know they're not alone you know, well, first get them to a pregnancy center as you can, but let them know they're not alone. If you're even going to take them there, you'd be willing to help them, you know, go there and sit with them. So that, because it's scary. All the unknowns are so scary. They're panicked. And, you know, first and foremost, I guess, would be that, that God loves them and he's there and he's provisional and he's faithful and he can provide all of their needs. He can unravel a path they don't even know existed. Because it's one of the things I think that God has taught me in the last, you know, I don't know, maybe 10 years, is it doesn't matter what circumstances look like or how they appear. He's not limited by that. He's not limited by time, space, gravity, all the things that humanly limit us. God isn't limited by it. He's a God of surprises. And he's a God in the unknown. And he's already there where you're going. He's right here with you now. He's where you've just come and he knows where you're going. He's got things in place, things in motion that you don't even know about yet. He's already providing answers to questions you don't even know you have. And so we, you know, directing them to him first because he is their answer and then physically providing things they have, you know, on that they have physical needs being there for those as well. You mentioned how it was such a privilege to help these women process their feelings, help them to understand their lie-based beliefs, and then help them to recognize God's truth and how, how exciting that process is to get to see some of that 
unfold. And I can only imagine it would be such a remarkable blessing as far as being a participant in all of that. But I want to also ask you, Sherry, how you handle disappointment when a client, and again, this could be maybe our child, our loved one, when they do decide to have an abortion, where do you put that? How do you square that away? What does that look like for you personally? I know you probably have a professional, you know, response as well, but how do you how do you manage that kind of freight in your in your own life? Yes, um, and it's kind of cool. God kind of helped me learn something early on, but I will say it is impactful. You know, we do grieve. We have sadness that's associated with knowing that you know seeing that baby on the ultrasound and knowing that that baby did not live is really impactful. And we go through seasons where it's sometimes more than others. But when we very started 20 years ago in the very beginning, I remember, like, as the clients would come in when they would leave, regardless of what they chose, you know, like, if they did not choose to parent or to adopt and they chose to abort, we would beat ourselves up, like, well, what could we have said different? Or what didn't we do? Or maybe we shouldn't have said this. Or maybe we should have said that. And we were carrying so much weight and responsibility in, in each decision. And... Early on, it was like God said, you're no more responsible for the losses than you are for the successes. And all you're called to do is open your mouth, share truth, share me with these clients. The rest is up to them and the Holy Spirit. And I went, oh, because we were patting ourselves on the back when they went out and they chose not to abort and chose life. We're like, yes, okay, yay. But then when they didn't, we owned that one. And we couldn't own either one of them that neither one of them are our responsibilities. We're just, like you said, vessels to be available for God to use however he chooses, but they still have free choice, they still have free will, and the Holy Spirit's working apart from us, and that's between them and the Holy Spirit. And once he put that perspective on it for us, it kind of helped lessen that load of responsibility where we, you know, we it still makes us sad, but we don't own the responsibility of we failed or we let him down or we should have, because it's not just us he's using. You know, God's unlimited in the resources that he uses with each client. We're just a part of that. We're just a piece of that. It's not all up to us either way, good or bad. So that's, I think that helped. I love that he changed my perspective in that early on. So that's kind of helped through the years, um, not own everything, just, put it in his hands and trust him and pray for them. You know, we have prayer chain, we have um, prayer emails that go out, we have Facebook that we share prayer concerns with, and just lifting these clients up in prayer, and it's amazing to see, you know, things God does in their life apart from that even, and we have girls that may or may not, you know, like even the ones that have chosen to still what will come back to us in the future because they felt loved and they felt cared about. So we get another opportunity, and we're sad that we maybe that baby didn't get to live out its life, but this one is going to get to because she's going to, you know, she's back again, or, you know, knowing that God has it all in his hands, and we can't understand it, and this life is a mess, and, you know, bad things still happen because we live in a fallen world, and so that's just part of it, and it does make us sad, but... We spend a lot of time in his lap, 
at his feet, laying these girls at his feet, just lifting them up in prayer, lifting ourselves up in prayer. We have wonderful prayer warriors that, that pray for us constantly because we're on the front lines, and it's it's rough up here. You know, we do get beat up, and we do get weary from war and wounded in war. But we have so many powerful prayer warriors that lift our ministry up, lift us up as workers, and God is faithful. He's faithful that he provides what we need and he takes us off the front lines from time to time and gives us rest and then puts us right back out there again and you know we all just do our part so it's just glory to him is what i want to say i guess right and i think that came across perfectly clear thank you for sharing that that is an encouraging and inspiring response Let's talk about what support is in place through Avenues for Women for clients after decisions have been made. We offer parenting classes. We have a baby boutique where they can earn free baby items up to two years. We have um, different resources that can help with housing. We have financial planners that volunteer to help the girls you know, figure out budgets. And we're, we're here as long as they need us or want us. We don't leave them. They, leave, they graduate or leave us. And so we have resources in place that we're with them as long as they want us to be with them and um, to be there to supply that. And one of the things, too, back to, you know, back to the critics is most people that unless they either are for or against abortion, there's almost like we either are or we aren't, but they don't really stop either side to investigate what that decision actually does to the woman, how it impacts her possibly physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And so that's one of the things, you know, I would encourage people to, to educate themselves because our goal is to educate each client that walks through the door. So she's, yes, she's making a choice that she wants to make, but it's an informed choice. And we also offer post-abortion support for women who have had abortions they need healing or want support afterwards, we offer that too. We have so many women that will come in and say, I wished I had known this then. Where were you before? And I wished I had known this before I may have made a different choice or a different decision. So we want to empower women with information, education, so that they are making an informed decision because so many times these girls are making these decisions uninformed or in a panic. And so, you know, educating yourself with the girl, perhaps, if, you know, if you've got somebody that you can't get to a pregnancy center, sit down together and really look at all of the things that abortion does, because it does impact the woman. And it does, it's not just a quick fix. It's not just a, okay, now we we're not pregnant anymore. There's a, it opens a whole can of worms for so many of them that, people are unaware of. So it's an impactful, it's one of the most impactful decisions that they will ever make in their life. It's going to affect them one way or the other the rest of their life. And getting information so that they're making an educated decision helps. Um, and I encourage everybody listening to educate yourself on, you know, what abortion really is and how it really does affect the woman, what the procedures. And that stuff, you know, it's pretty graphic. And it's pretty intense. And to think that a woman is going through this with her body is pretty impactful. And most people don't stop to realize how much. Because once someone is pregnant, there's a baby in there. Regardless of the outcome of the pregnancy, it's going to impact that woman 
whether she chooses to adopt, parent, or abort, she's now impacted for the rest of her life in that decision once the baby is there. So we want to help these women live with what they what they do, can decide. And sometimes they are choosing things that most women don't really want an abortion. In 95% of the cases, the male plays a central role. And a lot of times women think that's what they need. They think they want it. They Well, we even have women say, I don't really want to do this, but I have to. I don't have another choice. I don't have another option. I have to do this. It's not really what I want to do. We hear that a lot. And when we sit down and go, okay, well, let's look at this. Let's look at all the options. Let's look at what all this really means. They will sometimes go, oh, you know what? I can do this. And this, and this is a good option. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they still walk out of here and go, I need to have have this abortion. Okay, we'll be here if you need us later. And we still love that woman and we still care about her and we still want to be Christ to that woman. We're his hands and feet. And we love them no matter what they choose. Whether they choose abortion or not, we're here for them before or after. And I think that's you know one thing that the critics, and we don't charge for our services. So we, we everything we offer is free. We don't make money on their choice. We literally are here because we care for these girls. We care for how this is going to impact them. And we have two clients in there. And we really focus more on the woman. So we like to say we're pro-woman because people say, are you pro-life or pro-choice? We're pro-woman because we really want what's best for the woman and what she wants to. So how does, yeah, how does abortion affect the father? Oh, it it varies, but it can be very, very impactful. Um, Last year at our our fundraising banquet, we had our speaker, um, was his girlfriend had an abortion when they were in college and he was many years later still affected by that and sometimes it affects these men as much as it does the woman or it can the woman and men are as much in need of healing because they carry a lot of guilt they carry a lot of responsibility they carry a lot of shame so in many ways it affects the men the same way and it just, it's, you know, they're kind of forgotten in this, not by us, but by the world society in general. Everything's so focused on the mom or the baby. But that's an excellent point. I'm glad you brought that up. Men are, many times, I don't know that I even have a statistic on how often, but they are as much, if not more so, impacted by this decision as well. How can folks get in touch with Avenues for Women? Have, well, I mean, we have our number, our telephone number. They can always call us, which is 502-695-0512 is a number that will get through to our, uh, well, it depends on if they, we have a client hotline, 502-695-0500, that if it's after hours, we have hotline that we'll talk to them. If it's during hours, that comes into the office. And then the first number, the 0512 number, is more of an administrative line, but if people have questions or they just want to talk to us. And then we have our website, which is www.avenuesforwomen.com, and there's ways to contact us through the website. We also have a Facebook page, Avenues for Women, that they can 
also message us through the Facebook page as well. Okay, perfect. And I will put all of these, all of this information, the numbers and so forth in the show notes to this episode as well. Thank you so much, Sherry, for for coming on and for sharing your heart and walking us through that process and giving us maybe just opening the door a little bit more into what goes on at a pregnancy center. And we appreciate your time very much. It's been very helpful to to hear all of this and, and heartwarming. And I think it's equipped me a little bit to better understand um, your services and so forth. So thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. We really appreciate it. And we're glad to answer any questions anybody might have. If you happen to be looking for a ministry to support, please consider Avenues for Women. I want to leave you today with one of my favorite Psalms. Psalm 139 validates human life and the miracle of conception. It offers a teeny glimpse into the writer, David, as both a tiny baby forming in his mother's womb, as well as an adult who is astounded by the immense love of his creator. Let's listen. Psalm 139, New International Version. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, Surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. 
Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Well, there you have it, Brain Changer. And until next time, Dios primero y que Dios te bendiga. Chao.